0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the art of being you. I am so excited to have you here for the next little bit with me really diving into what does it look like to become the best version of you. And I don't mean that there is some fancier, nicer, sort of 2.0 version to yourself. What I mean is that there is an aspect of your spirit that Jesus has put inside of you. And when you live from that place, you are your best self, even if your physical appearance doesn't change, the things that are your pet peeves don't change, that you're living from the spirit. And that is the way to be who you are. So today in this episode, I want to talk about something we have never really dove into. Doven? Is that even a word? Oh, my goodness. But we've never really, you know, walked into this murky water of what does it mean to let go of being a judgmental person? So here's what happened to me. A few weeks ago, I was scrolling on Facebook, as one does even more so during this bizarre season that we're living in. And I came across a thread of a post that I thought was interesting. And I was reading the comments because, you know, we all do that. And someone had written, let me back up. This post was about masks, whether or not you should wear face masks in public. So someone had written in the comments that they had chosen not to wear a mask. High five, you do you, whatever. But they were feeling like they were getting a whole bunch of looks from other people. And what they said in this comment was something to the effect of, You wouldn't believe how many judgmental stares I got. And when I read this, I started thinking, this is a pervasive issue in the evangelical church world, in the postmodern world, in the first world uh, of this, that we perceive what people are thinking about us so much more than what they actually are thinking about us. I should put it this way. When I read that post, my actual first thought was, How on earth do you know they were actually judging you? What if they just looked at you? What if they looked at you and you couldn't see their face because half of it was covered with a mask? What if they looked at you and the micro expression that you interpreted as judgment was actually their own sense of frustration? Maybe they don't want to be wearing a mask and felt obligated to. And they're looking at you and thinking, oh, I wish I had done something different. None of which is actually judgment. So it got me thinking, you know, there's this interesting scripture in Matthew chapter seven that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. And I think this is rampant in our American culture. And I'm gonna read it to you. Matthew chapter seven, verses one and two. And if you've never heard this before, uh, I'm so sorry, but we're about to blow this up and get some good insight about it. Here's what it says. I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Judge not that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. All right, what is this even saying? Well, I wanna read it to you from the Passion Translation which has a different bent, it's not necessarily word for word translation but it gives you sort of the heart and feel of the verse. Here's what it says. Same passage, Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2 from the Passion Translation. Refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others, and judgment will not be passed on you. Hello. For you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why is this not the main verse all of us are memorizing? Listen, this issue of being a judgmental person is often more so prolific with women than with men. But I know a lot of men who are very judgmental as well. So it's not really gender specific as much as it's focus specific. What is Jesus telling us in this passage? He is saying unequivocally, there is an effect when you cause judgment on someone else. And what is that effect that you yourself will be judged Think about it like this. Judgment is like a spiritual boomerang. You may cast it on other people, but you better have your arms up because it's coming right back for your face. So I want to talk slight tangent about the natural laws in the world. This is a little bit of a school lesson for you, but just bear with me for a second. So have you heard of this thing called the law of gravity? I am guessing that you have, right? But you know, the law of gravity says this ever so simply, what goes up must come down. It's pretty black and white. But what this is defining for us is making it clear that inside of the ecosystem of the world, once you get into the Earth's atmosphere, this thing called gravity has this effect and no one is exempt from it. No animal, creature, um, no living thing, no human, no inanimate object, nothing is exempt from gravity. You might defy it momentarily, but it will pull you back down. There's another one of these laws that you may have heard before, you know, it goes something like this. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. I remember learning about this in my high school physics class, but it's absolutely true. Everything that we do is going to have a ripple effect somewhere. So these laws, we've come to understand as human beings, as maybe scientists, as maybe just people who, you know, went to school at one point in time, we understand them to be unchanging, that there's nothing you can do about them. It's just the way the world works. We might not like it, but we can't do anything about it. Did you know that in the Bible, there are spiritual laws that have the same sort of ecosystem, the same working function that these natural laws do? Here's the one that's the most uh, prolific that everybody seems to know. Uh, we, some people call it karma. Some people call it, you know, all kinds of things related to that. You get what you deserve. Um, but this is what the Bible says. God will not be mocked. You're going to reap what you sow. What does that mean? That means if you are sowing in anger, you're going to reap anger back to you. If you are sowing blessing to other people, you're going to reap blessing back onto you. If you are sowing judgment onto other people, you will reap judgment back onto you. Why? Because God, as we talked about in last week's episode, God wants you to understand what you're doing and the effects that it has. So this is why when we talked last week about becoming compassion, that God makes sure you understand how it feels to be on the other end of something that you dish out on a regular basis. So I don't mean this to be intense. It's a little bit of a soapbox moment for me. But here's the truth that we all need to understand. The way you judge other people is how you will be judged. It is a law in the kingdom, the same as sowing and reaping, dare I say, the same, if not more so than the law of gravity. When we begin to understand this, we can actually deal with the cycle of judgment that you and I tend to live in. Here's what happened to me. A couple of years ago, my husband was reading this passage, Matthew 7, and He began to really kind of come into this, um, I don't want to say enlightened way of thinking about it because that sounds a little cultish, but basically he had a God breathed moment about this scripture. Now, if you know my husband Grant, he is an Enneagram five. So fives are kind of known as the Switzerland of the Enneagram numbers because they sort of live in this way where they're neutral about most everything. So, you know, they can have strong opinions, don't get me wrong, they can have definitive opinions, but in general, they're very easy going people, they are very capable of hearing both sides of an argument and staying objective about both sides. It's actually not a great thing when you're married and you're trying to get him over to your opinion, but it's a good thing to cause balance to someone like me who might be inherently a lot more judgmental than him. Why do I say that? Because here's my husband, who's not very judgmental just by nature, having this encounter with God over this scripture, Matthew 7, 1 and 2. And God began to bring this into our life through other mentors and really understanding that if we're going to be judgmental about someone else, we cannot expect anything less than that in return. Why? Because Jesus himself said this in this scripture. I'm going to read it to you one more time. This is verse two, for you'll be judged by the same standard that you have used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. So some of us walk around life with this expectation that everybody has an opinion about our life. We walk around the grocery store like this person on this comment. We walk around the mall. We walk around the parking lot. We walk around our job and we're hearing this inner dialogue of criticism from other people that was never from them in the first place. Most of us live in societies where people are pretty polite. I mean, yes, occasionally you'll meet somebody who just says what they think. Like, here's an example. I'm tall, right? I'm six feet tall, if you know me in person. So every year or so, I have an encounter with someone who meets me for the first time, and they can't even stop the words from coming out of their mouth. They just gawk and say, wow, you are so tall. Yes, I am. Thank you for pointing that out. Most of the time, people aren't saying things like that. And here's the thing. It's up to me to decide if what they're doing is actually a judgment or not. Let's get really practical. Let's get super specific for a moment. When you walk into a room of other people, even if there's one or two other people there, you exist this is like not rocket science. You exist. You take up physical space and so do they. It is absolutely natural when someone walks into your space that you look at them. It's like a byproduct of this. I listened to, um, a study, a couple, I don't know, it was maybe a year ago that was talking about how long you can smile at someone without being awkward in different cultures. The FBI did this study, I think in the 70s, actually, and they uh, timed it. So I think it was like in the Midwest, you could smile at someone for a minute or something like that before it became awkward. In New York City, you got seven seconds. And if you smiled at someone longer than seven seconds, just the culture began to feel really uncomfortable. Why do I bring this up? Because by and large, the people you interact with are not having judgmental thoughts about you. And if they are, the chances they're going to share them are extremely low. So this is your permission. Do yourself a favor and stop putting judgmental words in their mouths when they are not saying them to you we allow ourselves to live under the weight of so much judgment that we were never intended to carry. What kind of judgments are these? Well, let's talk about women for a moment. type of judgments like, wow, my muffin top is really showing in these jeans. And we assume everyone in the room is thinking that. So if anybody even happens to glance around our midsection, you've already preloaded the judgment for them. That person may be thinking, man, the way your buttons are is pretty cool. And they're just expressionless on their face. That's a thing. Other judgments, you know, my blush color, or my lip color doesn't really match this vibe I'm going for. Oh my gosh, I have my hair done, but it's causing those little frizzy things on the very top and I can't get them matted down without having crunchy hair from the hairspray. And so I don't want anybody to think less of me or coming off the COVID thing. You know, I've got gray hair shining through on my roots and what are people going to think about me? I mean, the list is endless. And here's my challenge to you. Check yourself how much judgment are you giving out to others? Because that's the measure that's coming back to you. It's like this. I, I, A couple of years ago, I told you when we started having this revelation, both my husband and I decided, all right, how do we live the most judgment-free that we can? Now, I want to say a note here. Some of you are probably listening to this and thinking, doesn't the Bible say we're supposed to judge sin? Yes, we are supposed to judge what's sin. We're supposed to judge prophetic words. We are not supposed to judge people. And if we do judge people, we have to do it in a way that we ourselves would be comfortable being judged that way. Here's where it gets uber tricky, guys this is a spiritual law. So God is listening. I don't mean that in some sort of negative big brother kind of way. I just mean it's a fact he is everywhere. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. You cannot escape him, right? So when you're in your bedroom and you're going off on Sally Jane because she did something that really irked you, you are stepping into judgment. And so here's my point. It's fine if you do that. okay? fine. But you cannot expect that that's not coming back to you in one form or another. The thing about spiritual laws is that we don't always get to determine when the return happens. It's like when you throw a boomerang, you don't get to determine at exactly what time the boomerang is going to turn. I mean, maybe you do. I don't know much about boomerangs. But the truth is that it's going to turn towards you and it's probably going to be at the least opportune moment. So, if you're like a Facebook troll, if you're an internet troll, and you just love to stir the pot online by leaving comments for people's stuff because, you know, it's fun for you, for some people it is, I'll never get it, but whatever, then you lose the right to complain when someone comments negatively on your page. Why? Because the measure with which you judge, you will be judged. So, where am I going with all of this? The abundant life that Jesus has made available to us actually includes living free of the judgment of man. But it begins with you cutting the cycle of judgment that you have enacted. We all have done it. So don't hear this as like, you know, you're some terrible person or anything like that. We have all done it, but we all have to take responsibility for it. So I grew up in a culture where it was very normal to be judgmental about people. You know, Uh, that was like, like, if you're not talking about somebody in judgment, then what are you even talking about? And uh, I know that's ridiculous and hard for me to admit, but that's how it was. So when I really started dealing with this in my heart, it actually began by understanding that the gift of discernment often feels like being judgmental. And I knew I had this gift on my life. I I actually have known from a very young age. I just didn't know what to call it. And then I went through this season in my 20s where multiple people kept affirming this gifting in my life, saying things like, you know, Rachel, you you really have the gift of discernment. And I'm like, cool, that sounds fun. You know, I wanted it to be a different gift, but you can't, you know, take what you get. And uh, and so I began to ask the Lord, how do I steward this gifting? How do I grow in it? And one of the things I kept coming into was this understanding that discernment and judgment can almost feel the same when you're getting started and using this gifting. So you might not know when you're discerning whether someone's in the flesh, the spirit, or there's a demonic spirit behind whatever is happening, and it can very easily feel like you being judgmental. Why is that bad? Because when you're being judgmental, you can easily feel like you're doing something in your Holy Spirit giftings. So I knew if I'm going to steward this gift, well, I have to deal with judgment in my heart. Here's what I did to start. Lord, forgive me for every judgment I have cast upon other people. You know, the truth of the matter is there were some specific moments that God brought to mind. The Holy Spirit was like this one in particular, you need to renounce in the spirit. I think it's in the book of Proverbs where it says a curse without cause can't stand. And and what that means is that, you know, sometimes things stick on people and they don't stick on others. And and we as humans will probably never understand why. But the Holy Spirit would bring this up and say, hey, you were really unkind to this person. You need to break that one off. Even if I was unkind in the privacy of my bedroom, talking to my husband, God saw it. And it mattered because it was coming out of the state of my soul. So I began to break the cycle of judgment. I asked the Lord to forgive me for casting judgment on this person or that person. And then I asked him to break the effects of what I had sent out in the world. Um, You can do this with word curses as well. You know, what's a word curse? A word curse is essentially like a declarative statement about someone's identity. Um, I've had so many of them said over me. It's almost comical, but they're they're the kind of words that stick in you. They they last in you. I, I mentioned this last week when we talked about inner healing a little bit. And so what we have to do is ask the Holy Spirit to disempower those words. You can also do this if you're the ones speaking the word, especially in your home, your kids, your spouse, they need to hear you take ownership for the judgment you've cast on them because I'm just telling you they haven't forgotten. So as it goes on, I started dealing with this in my heart and then a funny thing happened. I actually felt less judged on a daily basis. And the thing is, at this point in my life, I've been actively doing this for many years. I very rarely feel judged by someone. And I actually forget that the bulk of us live in a state where we do feel judged regularly. That's why this comment on Facebook, there's nothing about it. You know, I don't even know the person who wrote it. But the thing about it that stuck out to me was, oh, my goodness. What if there was no judgment being cast, but this person has maybe had a pattern of judging others and therefore was receiving it back in that moment, or they're so convinced of other people's opinion about them that that's their knee jerk reaction. Listen, nobody may have said this to you recently, and so I'll be the first one. No one else's opinion matters except Jesus and your spouse, really, at some level. But no one's opinion really matters. So when we give them the power to, like, basically, we give them power by saying, I feel judged by you. The whole cycle gets really murky when we begin to feel like you know, I can't get out of this or people are always out to get me or no one is ever going to celebrate me or I'm never going to get to a point where people just embrace the message that I have or whatever the thought is that's on your mind. Could it be stemming back to the cycle of judgment on your life? I want to read this verse to you one more time out of the book of Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 and 2. This is again from the Passion Translation. And this is my challenge to all of you listening. Refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others and judgment will not be passed on you for you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Does this mean that you cannot judge what's bad behavior and right behavior? Of course not. Of course you can do that, but you're, it's a different thing than casting judgment upon someone by saying they're ridiculous, by saying they're stupid, by saying they're you know, don't know what they're talking about by giving, by not giving them the benefit of the doubt. There is a way for you to live so free of the care of the opinion of other people. And that's what I'm hoping happens in your life from listening to this. I'm hoping you get to the point where you can walk into a room and the first thoughts in your mind have nothing to do with what people think about you because the statistics all show Nobody is thinking about you nearly as much as they're thinking about themselves. And if they are thinking about you, the chances they're going to do something about those thoughts are so low, it's not worth your time. So listen, hear me, friend. You do not have to live under the judgment of other people or yourself for that matter. If you've been judging yourself really harshly, what have you been doing? You've been partnering with the pattern of the world and maybe even spiritual attack on your life. And then you're in this cycle that has to do with you because you're judging yourself and then you're receiving the backlash of yourself. Is it God wanting you to be judged in the measure? Not necessarily. It's Jesus highlighting the way it works. We might not like gravity, but we can't escape it. We might not like this Matthew 7 verse, but we can't escape it. What can we do? We can take ownership over our words, our thoughts, our actions. We can break the power of the negative ones and we can live a judgment-free life. That's all I've got for you guys today. I'm praying for you. Until next time, be blessed.